This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Wednesday, July the 31st. I'm your host, D.A., and on the eve of the Major League Baseball trade deadline last night, we had a good old-fashioned Donnybrook. Amir Garrett is on the hill for the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds and Pirates have had a season-long contentious rivalry with brushback pitches, managers calling out each other, two organizations that largely are heated and dislike one another. So Garrett runs off of the mound and into a sea of pirates and just starts throwing haymakers at them. The Reds-Pirates brawl, one of the most colorful and crazy moments of the baseball season. Here is our friends of the Fan Morning Show in Pittsburgh on 93.7 The Fan. When this incident happened, David Bell was one of two things. The fastest man in the universe... I'm talking Ben Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, who's a guy from the islands that can run real fast. Usain Bolt. Yeah, Usain Bolt. Whatever. He was either that or he was never all the way back in the clubhouse. Because I know where the clubhouse is in Cincinnati. It's pretty it, far back. Right. For him to get out there that qu- So he was ejected from the game two innings prior. What the hell is he still doing hanging around the dugout? Right. More to the point, though. Let's say that he is the fastest man in the universe. Let's give him that. That he runs like... Billy Hamilton, that he inherited right. Billy Hamilton's legs when Billy Hamilton left Cincinnati. For him to be on the field as an ejected participant, as a previously ejected participant in that baseball game, he should get 15 to 20 games. He won't, but he should. You should have those guys accounted for who are already gone to not be part of a melee. Well, furthermore, you're absolutely right. And he should but- be part of it as a managerial staff. Tamping down fires as opposed to escalating them. Right. And his continued delusions of Clint Hurdle standing there on the top step of the Pirates dugout, individually ordering every inside pitch, is what's helping stoke these flames to a certain extent. Well, Joe Madden, too. Yeah. Every single opposing manager wants to pretend like Clint Hurdle is a headhunter of some sort. When in reality, that's that's not the case. Now, I'm not saying Clint Hurdle has never ordered a pitcher to go inside or up and in on a guy. I can't say that for sure. But to think that that wasn't anything other than Keone Kella unilaterally deciding to throw at Derek Dietrich's head, you're, you're stoking the flames of this, the Pirates as an organization are headhunters thing. They're not. This is one guy ripping the scab off and kicking over the rock and deciding to start this whole thing all over again. And that's on Kella, but it's on Bell and Garrett to not react the way they the did. The other thing, too, in all of this, and we'll get back to it in a minute, we got to get to a break, is unless you're a guy that just got called up to the minors, or from the minors, if you've been around all year, 
you have a pulse on what's going on with the team. There's no longer any like directives from a manager to hit anybody, really. You know who to hit. You know who there's bad blood with. You know, like a manager doesn't point to somebody and, and you don't get a signal from a catcher that it's the fist signal as opposed to a one or a two right. that's a curveball or fastball, like the fist or the pinky that's hit them. You don't get that anymore in baseball. Dudes know what other guy on the other team that they should go after. Yes. You, you know that. Look, I don't know if you can qualify Amir Garrett as awesome and brave and courageous or psychotic and idiotic and a clown, maybe a pinch of all of those things. But, I mean, the guy, unlike most baseball brawls where it's just a shoving match and people saying, pull me back, hold me back, pull me off. Here was Garrett actually going into 12 to 15 opposing players and just swinging for the fences. You almost never see that. Now, Amir Garrett might not be long for the Reds organization after that, but for at least that crazy psychotic moment, he seemed to have all of the courage of William Wallace, which is just classic because as that happens, Yasiel Puig jumps in to defend Garrett and he's in the middle of trying to pull guys off, and he's just doing a Yasiel Puig thing where he's not leaving the field, and you can't get him off of the field. So Puig doing Puig. Just moments before this, Puig was traded from the Cincinnati Reds to the Cleveland Indians as the Indians finally did ship out Trevor Bauer, their starting pitcher, and sent him to Cincinnati, of all places. Now the Indians got back a number of players in return for Bauer, including Puig, did the Indians get enough? Here's 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland with Basket and Phelps. I think they did pretty well, really. I mean, you know, Fran Mel Reyes, for people that aren't familiar with him, is a guy that will primarily be a DH and hit between 35 and 40 homers in that role. So essentially think of him as Edwin Encarnacion minus the $20 million a year price tag. Um, Puig is interesting He's now probably an average hitter, um, decent defender. You know, he's got the great arm, but for people that don't watch him every day, he will drive you mad. He runs the bases like he thinks he's a ghost out there. He does not hit the cutoff man. All that sort of stuff is tough to stomach as an Indians fan where every out is critical. So there are times, you just have to go into this knowing that there's times where He's going to make you scratch your head. And hopefully the guys in the clubhouse and Terry Francona can tap into the right area of Yasiel Puig, who has two more months before he hits free agency to prove that he can be a solid major leaguer moving forward. Um, the rest of it, you know, Logan Allen is a, I think he was 97 on the top 100 prospect list before he got called up. And, you know, it was a good move to get him. And then two other guys that you you may never see in Cleveland it's possible. But I thought they did pretty well for for what they gave up. Chris, what do you think Puig's influence is on that clubhouse, even if it's only for two or three months? His influence on the clubhouse, well Yeah. I mean look, they were a team that with with Trevor Bauer, it, it you know, from everything I'd heard and, and and I don't know how general I don't know how much the general public knows this, but I mean, it was kind of like that Albert Bell situation where, like, you know, Albert wasn't exactly the greatest guy on earth, but the guys in the clubhouse back in the day were like, he's our Albert Bell. And I think they felt the same way 
about Trevor, that Trevor may not have been the greatest clubhouse guy, but they knew that they were playing good baseball and they wiggled their way back to one game in the Central, knowing that that was their Trevor Bauer. How will yeah. Yasiel Puig fit into this scenario? Okay, well, there's two things. So Puig, I can only tell you this. Okay. When he was in Los Angeles, I had one guy tell me he was the worst human being I've ever met. <laughs> so we have so, that going for but us. Now, well, but hold on. Now, in fairness, that was very early in his career. Okay, that's fair. And that's, that's when the, the Dodgers enabled him. Uh, it's when, you know, he, he's probably still the most popular Dodger. If he were to come out here and, you know, like earlier this year, I think he hit his the first at bat he had as a Cincinnati Red in returning to Los Angeles, I think he took Kershaw deep, if I'm not mistaken, and got a huge ovation. He would always, you know, in the pregame lineup announcement, he was always the loudest cheer out here. People loved him, and people will be drawn to him in Cleveland because he's, he's a little bit like Phil Mickelson playing golf. Like, he doesn't always make the right decision, but it's like, yeah, that's the decision I would make. Like, of course I'd hit driver up three on the 18th hole. You know, why not, even though I should be hitting a four iron? So um, I think he has improved uh, his attitude. I, you know, everything out of the Cincinnati clubhouse is are, are pretty much glowing reports, which is great to hear. And hopefully he is pointed in the right direction. So let's hope for that. I mean, to me, the Indians did pretty well there because, yeah, Bauer has an unbelievable arm, but Bauer's also a true head case that they wanted to get rid of, and everybody knew that they wanted to get rid of him. So it's not like the Indians had a ton of leverage there since everybody in baseball, it's the worst-kept secret, that the manager, Terry Francona, didn't like Trevor Bauer and Bauer didn't like Francona. So they had to get rid of him and they get all of that in return. I think the Indians are absolutely better off after this trade than they were before this trade. Nice job by the Indians' front office. Meantime, this trade deadline swirls and fans and media speculate on everything, but how is it on the players involved the guys inside those dugouts in those clubhouses. Well, here is Nats ace Max Scherzer on how players view the deadline and whether there should be just one deadline like there is this year with Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. The trade deadline is today. How do you view it as a veteran, a guy that's a part of a team that's playing such great baseball as you guys have, as good as anybody in the sport since kind of the middle slash end of May? How do you view today? You're like, come on, got suits upstairs. Give us a couple of reinforcements. We're playing great baseball. How do you view a day like today? It's always kind of awkward because it maybe means that somebody in that clubhouse has to go to another city. Uh, just kind of give us your view of it. Yeah, uh, and that's why you hope that the deal prospects. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, as a veteran, you hope that uh, your front office and ownership they go out there and uh, acquire uh, somebody where they you know that makes our team better uh, to, to put us in position. Uh, to be as good as anybody in, in this league because that's what the other uh, good teams, the playoff teams, are going to be doing uh, for the rest of today. Um, you know, I've been a part of teams where you know guys are getting traded from the major level, and that's that's always a kind of a gut punch um, when you're trading uh, guys from the major level and uh, your know, teammates and you know the good clubhouse guys. Uh, that that always hurts, but um, when you're doing prospects, I mean, you know that's just part of the game of uh, you know. Man, I've been there as a prospect where your name's in the trade rumors uh, of where you could be going. And so, uh, and I, I have been traded. So I, I know that feeling. It, it's just part of the business uh, of what goes on here in baseball. Um, and that's why, you know, every time you take the field, you just got to post up and uh, do your best. What does Max Scherzer think of the one trade deadline that for the first time we're experiencing this year? 
you know, obviously I, right now I think it's a good thing um, that you can't just go completely into August and wait before uh, you add or sell into your team. Um, but, you know, obviously you got to see what all the unintended consequences are now of having one for the deadline uh, of what, what, you know, what the rest of that thing is. So my opinion is incomplete, uh, but I anticipate this actually being a really good thing. What do you want? What do you want uh, the guys upstairs to do for you guys? You mentioned uh, players to come in and help your ball club. What do you guys think you need? Well, uh, you know, that's that's for them. That's not, that's not my, my job description to come out publicly and tell everybody what <laughs> we should get. You know, I, I'm a pitcher. I have to go out there. And I'm, I'm going to the field right now to go do training room exercises, not uh, give Anna's of, you know, what I think the Nationals need. Mike Scherzer, Grant, and Danny on the fan. Before I let you go, last night there was a pretty incredible brawl uh, between the mm-hmm. Reds and the Pirates, Amir Garrett versus the world, man. Lefty reliever just started running over toward the entire Pirates dugout, like on on a suicide mission, and just ran into a pile of dudes. Curious, have you ever been involved in, in a brawl that was more than just like you having to stand there and act like you cared? Or when was the last time, in any level, that you were involved in right in the middle of things in a in a brawl? Um, never, never been a pitcher that's actually been in the brawl. Um, I mean, the last one was when Harp was actually, uh, you know, charged uh, Strickland. That's the last time uh, you know I've been a part of, or the Nats have been a part of something. Um, but hey, that's just part of the game. And you know, I think from afar, and we don't know all the details that are going on between the Reds and the Pirates, but uh, they seem to have a lot of uh, beef going on back and forth yeah. between each other. Uh, stuff that we probably don't even know about, and so. Um, Look, that's it's part of baseball. Um, you know, you, you you don't like what each other are doing. Then somebody's going to get drilled, and once somebody gets drilled, somebody's going to charge, or somebody's going to charge, and then there's going to be a fight. You run enough mouse, you know, things are going to happen. And so, I don't want to say it's entertaining, or, or but it is entertaining hey. actually. I, I I will say that. I'm still not sold on this one deadline thing by Major League Baseball because when you have all of these different teams still involved in the playoff race, and they don't have another deadline later on in August, it forces too many on-the-fence teams to just not do anything. In my estimation, there's just not enough sellers out there because with two wild cards in each league, every team feels like they're not far off. I mean, look at the Reds being buyers. Look at the Mets being buyers. These teams are five or six games under 500 making deals. So to me... We got to see if there is action today and how this whole deadline shakes out to really be able to figure whether this was a smart move by baseball or a move that kind of neutered action along the baseball deadline. As we stand now, who's the favorites to win the World Series? Here's MLB Network host Robert Flores, who joined Clint and Kamla on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Do you believe that the Astros need to make a move or moves to win it all, or do mm-hmm. or, or are they your pick to win it all right now without a move? Well, my pick to win it all right now, as we sit hours before the deadline, is the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think they have the most uh, talented team. I think they have the most complete team. They aren't a perfect team, but I think they have fewer flaws than everyone else. In the American League, I think it's the Yankees and the Astros for who's going to uh, who, who's my pick to face the Dodgers in the in the World Series. And the Yankees, their bullpen is stronger than the Astros. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a wide margin, but I think the Yankees have a clear advantage in that department. I think the Astros' rotation 
once you taught Verlander, Cole, and Miley, I think it's performing better than the top of the Yankees uh, rotation. So it's going to be it's going to be so intriguing to see who which team helps themselves the most at the deadline. Are the Yankees going to find someone to solidify that rotation? Are the are the Astros going to find someone to solidify their rotation and their bullpen? So uh, you know, I think it's right now it's the Yankees, the Astros with the Red Sox lurking, and in the National League, the Dodgers are the clear-cut favorite. Robert, let's talk offensive uh, lineups a little bit here. I mean, is, is mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we're watching the Astros. I mean, we're spoiled here relative top to yeah. bottom. I mean, how do you fit? We're, we're, we're doing segments about how, how do they fit Alvarez into the lineup when, when, when it's a National League game or an interleague game. I mean, that, that's the kind of conversation we're having relative yeah. to that. I mean, the appeal of, a, of an organization – um, to to one of these pick pitchers that may may be available may or may not be available the appeal of this organization is it the best in the league or or is it is it in the top two or three in the league that's got to matter yeah. to some of these big time players right oh I, I, absolutely and and yes I, I would think the Astros are right near the top as far as uh, respected organizations in the league I mean the the success that they've had recently the success they've had this season yeah that carries a lot of weight and also. When you look at what they have done to rejuvenate Justin Verlander's career, how they have uh, taken Garrett Cole from a very good pitcher to elite status, and that's why I mentioned Noah Syndergaard. I mean, I'm sure Noah Syndergaard looks at what Verlander and Cole have done in Houston and think, man, if I could get over there and be around those guys, be around that analytical department, be around Brett Strom, Imagine what I could do. Not only that, the Mets' defense behind Syndergaard isn't as good as the Astros. So, so yeah, you're talking about when you're talking about uh, excellent elite organizations. The Astros are right there. It's the Dodgers. It's the Yankees. It's the Astros. It's the Red Sox. Those are the, you know, those are the 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 the, the programs or the the organizations that that players look at and and you know think to themselves, man, it'd be great to play over there. The Dodgers have been an absolute machine over the course of the season. The question's going to remain if they can actually get over the hump, considering they've been in the World Series the last two years and have come up short in both. Is this going to be different, or are they now becoming the Atlanta Braves or the Buffalo Bills, where you just expect them to lose in the championship series or the championship game? Now, that Braves team did finally win one. They broke through in 1995, but there were a lot of World Series losses along the way around that in postseason exits. The Dodgers have gotten close, but they haven't gotten all the way there. And I think this year there's pressure on them to finally close because if they don't do it with this team, when will you ever believe and when will they ever believe that they're going to do it? Over to football. Kellen Moore is the new OC in Dallas. And play calling and the offense has been a subject of much consternation, stress, and critique in Dallas, can the Cowboys get over their own hump and get into an NFC Championship game or perhaps a Super Bowl? That franchise hasn't been to the big game since 1995. So the former Boise State standout joined Sean and RJ on 105 through the fan in Dallas and discussed his relationship with Jason Garrett. You're obviously sharp, uh, high energy. The entire locker room raves about you, but my worry is experience i'm a big experience guy and you've never done this before yeah how are you going to overcome that and 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 the and the not power but the control between you and jason 
in doing this on the offense. He's been doing this a long time. How is that going to work? Do you feel like you have full control or are, are some of the strings still connected with your lack of experience? No, I feel like we're in a great place. At the end of the day, obviously, yeah, I haven't, I haven't called – called this many games hey I, I didn't randomly call the pro bowl uh oh yeah <laughs> I that's knew, right I, I knew about i knew about two days before <laughs> uh but uh you know obviously the preseason is gonna be a phenomenal opportunity for me there's gonna be great value to that uh being able to um go through that process and then uh, as we go through the season hopefully we can we can get in a really really good place hopefully hey uh, over the years being a backup you're on the sideline a whole lot and so you know hopefully you've been exposed to some of these things and and naturally you know jason has been uh, phenomenal. Uh, he's been a great resource, and uh, you know he'll be great on game day as well. Are you nervous? Not too bad. No, I think I think we'll be good. Yeah, <laughs> that, like, yeah. That, that's a yes. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah, like, I, yeah. What side of the bed do you sleep on? Uh, you're looking at you're the looking bed. at you're the looking, looking at, at the, the bed. Uh, traditionally, right. I've been on the left uh, here, so maybe that is a weird thing. Why? Why did you switch? I don't know. It's closer to the bathroom. I think. Right. Um, okay. you know. Tell him what that really means. <laughs> it means you're a serial killer. All right, yeah, okay. you're serial. Kellen Moore for everything. Kellen Moore face. <laughs> no, you're supposed to play the Superman music, Troy. Kellen Moore. I think having a young guy take a look at that offense is the right move for the Cowboys. But ultimately, there's only so much the play calling is going to help when it comes to Jason Garrett as the leader. Garrett has been there for nearly a decade. And they just have not had enough success, in my mind, to validate keeping him around. I think that largely Garrett is there because he plays nice in the sandbox with the Jones family. I think he has found out a way to be a survivor. He doesn't demand anything. He's not at all difficult to work with. He's very workable and easy and seemingly loyal to the family. And so he keeps holding on to his job because it's a family business and they do what the family wants to do. But just bringing in Kellen Moore, to me, doesn't solve the problems of Jason Garrett above him at the head coaching position. Finally, this Michael Thomas deal is a real nanny, if you will. He becomes the highest-paid wide receiver and the highest-paid non-quarterback ever on the offensive side of the football with a five-year, $100 million extension and $61 million guaranteed for the Saints. So what does that mean for a guy like Julio Jones? Here's the Midday Show with Andy and Randy on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. Julio's going to want a bigger two-year total up front. He's going to want uh, more guaranteed money in the totality of his contract. But what's crazy is, Randy, is uh, the, the previous high for guaranteed money for a wide receiver was 40. Yeah. So the, we were talking, and I think it was, was A.B. with his new contract that he got this last offseason or this offseason, was 40. It was $40 million guaranteed. So when we were kicking around the Julio number, it was, all right, it'll probably be around 45 or so or something like that. Nope. <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, not in the same boat, to use Julio Jones's terminology there. It's going to have to be more, right? And here's the thing. I, I think it gets done. I, I, I don't have a ton of concern because every time Arthur Blank and Thomas Dimitrov have said someone's a Falcon for life and someone is going to get a contract, they've gotten a contract. They've yep. gone about getting that done. The hard part is they did that. And the hard part is they've set that precedent. So now Julio knows. I mean, Julio said it very calmly and plainly to that TMZ guy a couple weeks ago, Arthur Blank's word is as good as gold. Yeah, that's what he said. I don't have to worry about this. This is as good as gold. He said, I'm going to get a new contract and I'm going to be a Falcon for life. Okay, great. So you want to talk about leverage? 
You got Play, a lot of it. Players in the NFL don't very often see the type of leverage that Julio Jones has right now because the Falcons have no choice but to give him what he wants, right? Yeah. Right? But, but here's the thing. Is there any other well, choice? Uh, I mean, there, there isn't. Kay. But at the same time, it's all about structure. We know that. The structure of the deal. No, Julio's not going to get a five-year contract. No, he's no, not. He's not going to get that kind of money. It's just not going to happen. What he's going to do is he'll get a three, something like that, or maybe they'll add two on to what he has now and move money around like that. So they're going to figure out, out a way to get this done. And I, I, the, if Julio was 25, 26, 27, maybe he would worry about the annual per year value mm-hmm. of it. But Julio's right where he is because this is going to be his last big deal. So you got to get it all right now. And if it's sixty-two million, he'll be fine. But he—he, he, I don't—I just don't see him coming under that sixty-one million dollars. Well, Calvin, Calvin got sixty. Odell got sixty-five. I'm looking. This is just total guarantee. Now, this, oh, this is total. It's okay. not nothing. What's what's fully or nothing? Okay. Odell got sixty-five. That I'm looking at right here. So. Where does Julio come in in that point? Because I think that if Julio gets a three-year and we were kicking around 65 mil, you might have to guarantee all that for him. And that's the thing. Because Julio Jones' contract, I, I think, just based on his age uh, and, and where that slots him with the rest of the receivers in the NFL, and I mean, he hasn't fallen off at all, but there has to be some assumption that at some point, even though he is a superhuman athlete, he'll come back to normal a little bit as he gets up in his 30s, right? I mean, that happens to everyone yeah. eventually, no matter how amazing you are. Even though it don't look like it, it yeah. Well, not with him, <laughs> not yet, but eventually. I mean, Jerry Rice, ended, like we talk about all the time, ended his career in training camp with the Denver Broncos wearing number 17, didn't he? Yeah. He's one of the best we've seen. Randy Moss ended his career where? In San Francisco or something like that with the Titans? Yeah. With the Titans? Yeah, yeah, like everyone eventually – comes back. I mean, Julio hasn't done it yet, but eventually he's going to, and that's what you have to do with the contract. That's why you can't give Julio a five-year deal. I don't think. I don't think you can, unless they I mean, do. do whatever you want I mean, to. they can do whatever, what they want, they do whatever they want, but it would be surprising to me if the length of his contract is as long as what we just saw but from Michael Thomas, because yeah, Michael exactly. Thomas is young. Yeah, he's, what, 24? Yeah, like he's, yeah, he's a young player. But the bottom line, there's mul- multiple uh, lines on the bottom line here. Multiple bottom lines, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um Julio is better than Michael Thomas. Yes, he is. And Julio's going to be better than Michael Thomas for the next couple years. Yeah. So maybe five years from now when Julio's 35 and Michael Thomas is 29, okay, then maybe you want Michael Thomas. But for he's the 26. Next, he's 26. Okay, but, Thanks, Brian. So he's 31 in five years and Julio's 35 in five years. You would think maybe by then Julio's dropped off a little bit. Maybe Michael Thomas is still around the same level. I have no idea. But for the next three years, Julio's – the best wide receiver in the NFL, or one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, you said you were going to give him a deal. Uh, the market has been reset over and over again over the last few years by wide receivers. Those are all the bottom lines, and Julio knows that. <laughs> if yeah. we, we say this all the time. It's like uh, with, with Austin Riley and whoever else. If they know it, we know it. Mm-hmm. If the pitchers that are facing Austin Riley know he can't hit a slider, uh, if we know that, then they know that too. If we know that all of these things are true about wide receiver contracts in the NFL, Julio and Jimmy Sexton know it as well. And I just wonder, I have to imagine Julio's reaction this morning when he saw Michael <laughs> Thomas's contract. Like this. Was, <laughs> <laughs> was pretty good. Man, these guys are right. Arthur Blank is going to pay Julio Jones, and now you know exactly what the number is going to have to be. It's going to have to be Michael Thomas. It's going to have to be $100 million overall and a $61 million signing bonus because there's no way you could say that Julio Jones isn't worth that type of money. Michael Thomas money. He's not the equivalent. So I totally agree with the Saints giving Michael Thomas that money considering they have a window to win a championship right now. And Drew Brees, who knows how many years at an elite level he has. But I think the same thing with the Atlanta Falcons. 
Now that we know what the starting block is, they're going to have to pay Julio Jones exactly what Julio Jones wants in that regard. Look, that's the best in your sports talk for Wednesday, July the 31st. Tomorrow we'll have the full reaction to the trade deadline of Major League Baseball. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.